This afternoon I preach to you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 23. We just gone through the Apostles' Creed, what we mean when we stand up and profess our faith, when we sing Hymn 1 or sing Hymn 2, what that all means. And then Lord's Day 23 uh, continues from that. And that's why the first question, what does it help you now that you believe all this? That means all that we profess to be true in the Apostles' Creed. And the answer to that first question is, in Christ, I am righteous before God and heir to life everlasting. How are you righteous before God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Although my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned against all God's commandments, have never kept any of them, and am still inclined to all evil, yet God, without any merit of my own, out of mere grace, imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. He grants these to me as if I had never had nor committed any sin, and as if I myself had accomplished all the obedience which Christ has rendered for me, if only I accept this gift with a believing heart. Why do you say that you are righteous only by faith? Not that I am acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith, for only the satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God. I can receive this righteousness and make it my own by faith only. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, congregation loved by our Savior, it often happens that people see you different than you really are. I remember as a children, a child seeing uh, older members in my congregation, and I had an impression of what they were like. But now as you get older, you realize that you had quite a wrong impression of what they were like. Elderly people are often seen by the younger generation to be quite fragile, to be calm and serious all the time. But the elderly people may think to themselves, if those children knew what I am really like, how young at heart I am, and how much I like to laugh and joke around, they'd be surprised. Or people may see you, you're biking together with your husband and wife, your children, and you're biking together as a family, and, and somebody looks and they say, oh, isn't that a beautiful family? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have such a peaceful, happy family, and you as a father or you as a mother say, well, you should see what it's really like. It's not always this rosy. Young people have it too. They, they're very aware, very aware of how they appear to others, and it's very rare that they'll go out into public without making sure that their clothes are properly adjusted, their makeup is properly put on, and they like to put forward their best foot. And although you spend quite a bit of time thinking about your appearances and perhaps even trying to make them look better so that you can have the respect of others, 
As you're doing that, as you know that, as you even think about how other people are seeing you, you know yourself better than anyone else that most times you will have to admit that your life is not really exactly what it appears to be on the outside. You can give an impression of your life on Facebook with little glimpses of the happy moments and give the impression that you have a, a wonderful, happy life, but at the same time, you know that's not the whole picture. In this context, when the Bible teaches us about change and transformation within ourselves, sometimes we can get confused. We read scripture, we read of newness. You can go to Corinthians, you can read that we are a new creation. We are not exactly what we look like. And then we, we have different voices always telling us who we are. We confess that we're righteous in Christ. But then we turn on the TV and the advertisement that I'm reading will tell me that perhaps I'm a little too heavy. Or another ad on TV or in a magazine will tell you that you're not actually truly happy unless you buy a product that they have for sale. Or you can go to work and your coworker can tell you that you're not worth the wage you're receiving. Sometimes even in our own homes, it could be a husband or a wife or a child or a parent that puts us down in, in a certain way that, that makes us feel worthless. And, and we look around and we see all these messages and we ask, really, who am I? So let's turn off all the noise, the TVs, the newspapers, the Facebook and Twitter, and in the quiet that follows, let us hear what God says about who we are, what your creator and your pastor says to you in his word, your shepherd. And that's why it's such a joy to read it in black and white in our confession. What does it help you now that you believe all this and you can say it, we can all say it together. In Christ, I am righteous before God. Jesus Christ says, you are a new creation. You are a new creature with new clothes, which are the righteous deeds of Jesus Christ. That's what we confess as church. And I preach to you this gospel under the following theme, in Christ you are new creatures with new clothes. We'll see three parts, how your conscience sees you, how you are changed in Christ, and then finally, how God sees you. So today is a day of rest. We stopped our daily task and we made our way to the church. It was a public act of our faith in Jesus Christ. We came here in our Sunday best. We knew that it is right. And yet even as we gather together, we are very aware that we do not deserve to be told that we are righteous. You may fool your coworkers. You may even fool your family. But what about God, who can see right through our masks and who knows what lives in our hearts? 
The law that is read every Sunday makes it pretty clear for us and even as we gather together and separate ourselves from the world to put ourselves under the law, we do have to begin our day of worship confessing our sinfulness. We confess it every Sunday as we also can read in Lord's Day 23, I have never kept any of God's commandments. I am inclined to all evil. Yeah, his law shows the truth and our consciences accuse us and we squirm in his presence. We don't deserve to be here. We know that. But before we follow the poor example of those who, who say that the law is to blame for taking away our joy, those who throw out the law saying that all we need is, is grace, the law is too intimidating and too negative, well, we can see that also God's love for us in Jesus Christ. His amazing grace in which we see that law fulfilled, that even that can be intimidating for us. It's not just God's law, but also his grace that makes our consciences accuse us. It shows us actually how ungrateful we are. The law says you can't do it, then we, we, we focus on grace and what Jesus Christ did. And again, our consciences says, you can't even show yourselves thankful. Our consciences accuse us that we do not deserve to hear the wonderful message of grace. No matter what, we do, no matter what we hear, our conscience, that inner voice, it, it reminds us that if we are trying to do enough to be holy in God's sight, if we're trying to do enough to, to show ourselves properly thankful for what we have heard, our consciences keep telling us it's never quite enough. We learn that in catechism class. We learn that when we grow up. We learn that when we study the catechism. You can't trust in our own works. It's grace alone. And isn't it funny that knowing all that, that conscience keeps accusing us. Sometimes we train ourselves to say the right words. And although we say, we know that the Bible tells us that God forgives sins the sins of all who confess them, and that God forgives the sins of, of all who believe in Christ's work, we, we still have difficulty comprehending it. Often we don't experience it personally. You can begin to visit, begin talking to one another about that, that assurance of faith. You find how many people are struggling with that. Often we get the idea that Christian faith is, is just like just, it's just like clothes, clothes that are covering up our true selves. We have a, a keen sense of that feeling of being dirty and stained on the inside with, with these clothes on the outside. We do love Christ. 
And we do want to serve God, but our constant failures discourage us. And no matter what we read in the Scripture, the evil inclinations of our heart make it tough to believe what we read in Scripture. The consciences, our consciences are accusing us like the devil accuses us. We may wish that the clothes of our good Christian works will be sufficient to hide who we really are from God, but we know that we cannot fool the sovereign God. Others believe that the clothes are all that God really cares about. We console ourselves to say, yes, conscience, you are right. I remain a sinner, a rebellion, a rebellious sinner. But as long as I do enough good things, as long as I have enough of a, of a good appearance on the outside, that will satisfy God. So we focus our attention, our time on, on, on doing enough good things to, to satisfy God in heaven. But we know there's a disconnect. If this were to be true, then God would have to let sin into heaven. And so the consciences accuse us and, and our consciences even resonate with our, with our spirits and we can recognize that there are many things a conscience is right and our weakness and what we deserve and as our consciences accuse us, we, we turn to the Lord and, and we confess our sins in sincere confession. But we do not spend all our life just confessing sins. Our conscience does not get the last word. That's what we confess in Lord's Day 23. God gets the last word. And he tells us that in Christ Jesus, the old has gone and the new has come. And as we open the scriptures, we can see that God has an entirely different perspective because of the work of Jesus Christ. We see that Christ changes everything. Scripture is very clear that every transformation in our hearts and in our lives is a result of your connection to Jesus Christ. It's a result of being changed in Christ. So what does it mean to be in Christ? John 3 verse 18 explains that the starting point for all men is condemnation because of their sins. The conscience is quite accurate that we all deserve condemnation for our sins. But John continues to explain that Jesus Christ was sent in the world not to condemn sinners, but to save sinners. And so we believe that statement. Being in Christ is believing that he came to save sinners. Believing means having a sure knowledge of the truth. It's a knowledge that comes from the very core of your being. It's a knowledge that, that people cannot shake no matter what they show you. A knowledge that the, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Believing is having a confidence in that God, that a confidence in God that, that sits in your insides. 
like the heart in your body. It's a confidence that, that flows to every part of your being that God sent his only son into the world to die for sinners. Believing in Christ, being in Christ, leads you to embrace Christ Jesus with true love to submit yourself to God. Hypocrites can be in church on Sunday with nice clothes and Christian offerings, but they are unchanged by the gospel. They remain what their consciences accuse them of being because they don't embrace and love Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us simply that the connection to Christ is made and sealed by faith. Your connection to Jesus Christ simply happens when you believe that he is true. Faith is a, a connector. It serves as the veins that allow Christ's benefits to, to flow through us. Faith is like arms, the arms that you use to, to embrace Christ. It makes a connection. Faith is something that, that, you can, that, that helps you to, to share in Christ and all his benefits. It's a connecting tool. Maybe like, like a rope. A person may be drowning in the water and there may be a boat beside him. He needs something to, to connect him to the boat. And a rope is, a, is an instrument that connects him to the, the salvation that, on, on the boat, being saved on the boat. If you're in the water and you just have a rope, it doesn't help you at all if, if there's no boat. It's not faith that saves you. It's not the rope that saves you. It's the boat that saves you. It's Christ that saves you. But faith is the connecting tool. Connects you to Christ. And if we continue on with the analogy, we can see that since the salvation is, is from Christ alone, and we'll use the analogy, just the boat beside you in the water, it's the boat that makes it possible to be saved. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter who that guy drowning in the water is. It doesn't matter what he has done in the past. It doesn't matter what he looks like today. It depends completely on the dependability of the boat. And we confess it doesn't even depend on the worthiness of your faith. If you have a connection to the boat, that's what you need. You still have some type of, of rope. There's different kinds of rope. A strong faith that depends on Jesus Christ all the time and in all circumstances will, will have an easier time in life. But a weak little thread that you have to tread so carefully just to use it, it's a weak faith. It makes a connection, but it, it makes life a lot harder. But at the end of the day, salvation depends on Jesus Christ and not on who we are 
or what we have done, and not even on the, the connector that we're using, faith. It's Christ who did everything, and in Christ we are saved. And when we believe in him, when we have that connection, the Bible says we become a part of his body. That's what the question was. What does it help you now that you believe all this? What does it help you now that you believe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And the declaration is in Christ, I am righteous before God. Because I, I believe, because I have this connection with God, with, with Christ, I am righteous before God. You see, your believing changes your perspective. Faith changes who you are. By faith, we believe that we are changed because we share in Christ and in all his work. That's what we confess. That's what we believe. That's what we state to the world. Our conscience is accusing us. You are a drowning, miserable loser. And God declares to us, yes, but when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are connected to him. You share in him and in all his benefits. You become a part of him and that changes you and that changes how God sees us. It's a major gospel declaration. Romans 3, it was on the screen also before the worship service as you were coming in together. You could reflect on that. We now know of a righteousness that comes from outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. There is a perfection. There is a, an innocence. There is an obedience that comes to, our, to us, but does not come from us. It comes to us from Jesus Christ. This righteousness is, is completely different than anything that, that we may try to offer up to God. The robes that Christ gives to us, the righteousness of Christ, are completely different than, than the clothes that we try weave together that we call our own good works. Although a hypocrite making his own clothes, who depends on his own strength, may, may try fool his neighbor, God can see through those transparent clothes. We can see that more next week too when we look at good works. The Gospels reveal, however, that God sees you standing there just as you are. And it's not a pretty picture. It says in the Confession, Article 26, that God knew very well who you were when he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And he made his son to be a substitute in everything. God saw that we had nothing to offer to him, that our clothes were, were, were broken and, and transparent, and, and he gave us good clothes. He gave us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ came as a substitute. He took our place. He died for the sins we committed. That's called satisfaction. We confess that. He took our place by obeying all the law of God. That's called righteousness, being right before God. He was the Holy One, the one completely dedicated to God, and He was holy for us and in our place. And then God says, you who have faith are connected to Jesus Christ. You are hidden in Him, and all that He has done, you have done. The clothes that he has, his righteous deeds, are, are your clothes. You're, you're part of the same body. So the big question for you today is how does God see you? Never mind what your TV tells you, or your magazines, or your co-workers your family members, or even your own conscience. The question is, how does the triune God who made heaven and earth, how does he see you? And the gospel message is that he sees you who are hidden in Christ. He sees you who believe just like he sees Christ, his own son. He sees his very own adopted child who never committed any sin, who obeyed his commandments perfectly. That's what we confess. He sees robes that have been purified in the blood of sacrifice in Christ's satisfaction. We read that in Revelation 19. He sees robes purified in the blood of sacrifice over the body of his bride who comes to the wedding banquet in fine linen, bright and clean, which stand for the righteous deeds of the saints. That is what Scripture declares to the church. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a way to live life? Living knowing how God sees you. He doesn't see tall or heavy or white or slow, poor, intelligent. He doesn't even see a dirty sinner. He sees Christ, his son, the head and his body, which is the church. Christ's obedience covering our rebellion, changing who we are. You identify with Christ. You have union with Christ. That's symbolized for us in the sacraments. We're going to look at that as well. The, the idea of the union with Christ. And so the light and the power of Christ, they cancel the debt. They make you a new creation. Those are powerful words that, that Paul speaks. A new creation from, from inside out. When God looks upon you, he is satisfied with the payment that Christ Jesus made for us. He is pleased 
by your new robes and righteousness. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says it in a beautiful way and clearly it's, there's a lot of elements of context that, that I'm not mentioning, but we read there, it's a text we memorized as well as a family. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. How does God see you? And when we think about that, brothers and sisters, and we think about the communion of saints, it's my prayer that at least in the church, at least in our families as husbands and wives and, and children and, and, and fathers and mothers and parents, that at least in the church, we can see one another as God sees us. We could see one another as sinners forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ. Sinners fighting their sins, that's for sure. But purified. That should characterize life in the communion of saints. If there's any place in the world that you should not be condemned for the sins that you are fighting against, or excluded because you live a life that is different than the world. That place should be in the church where we call ourselves the body of Christ. It's a place of newness. That's what we read in the Gospels, a new creation. Jeremiah, we are told that in the new covenant we will receive new hearts. When we go to Revelation, it's, it's the connection there again. We're, we're seeing new songs. We're seeing new robes. The blood of Christ soaks right through the robes and the purifying of the robes right to our very hearts. We are truly changed in Christ. And so we don't just say, it's not just how God sees us, but it's who we are. new creation. Brothers and sisters, that's why we spend so much time looking and studying the revelation of God. The more you study the Word of God and, and the less you spend time paying attention to the opinions of others and, and to what the TV is telling you, what, you, what other unbelievers are saying you need or what your problem is, the more we focus on God, the more we see what Christ, or who Christ made us to be. Then the contrary voices start to fade away. We lift up our eyes to Jesus Christ. We hear the gospel. We allow the gospel to permeate our lives. We are definitely not less deserving of punishment than those who do not know the Lord. But we are also not just a bunch of wretched, hopeless sinners and self-deceived hypocrites who deserve eternal punishment. We are a new creation new creatures with new clothes. Brothers and sisters, live as the children 
of your heavenly Father just as he sees you in Christ. Amen. Let's now sing together hymn 35.